0: Welcome back for Volume 5 of Next Big Hit, Broadway Bullet. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo. And as always, we've got some great interviews and some great songs from some musicals, including selections from Gutenberg, the musical. I can't read him.
2: He's all Greek to me.
0: Title of show.
2: We come. Significant questions. We
0: come the Paisley Sisters Christmas special. It's
3: easy to be jolly, almost anybody can. But golly gee,
0: Lulu and the Bullyfish. So We've also got an interview with the creator of the dance musical School Days and Marty Cooper. We'll be talking about stars that should have flopped in his segment on the positive side. We're continuing with our extensive coverage of the New York Musical Theater Festival, which is currently running and runs through October 1st. A lot of the tickets for some of the shows have sold out but there are still others available, and some of the shows that have sold out are getting extensions, so you'll want to make sure to go to the website, nymf.org, to find out more information on the shows that are available. Also, if you're looking for more information on any of the shows we talk about or play, you can always go to our website, broadwaybullet.com, and click on the Volume 5 podcast, and it'll take you to our forum, where we have links to just about everything you'd like, Pictures and you can even discuss the show and meet some great people. You know, theater is maybe one of the largest small communities in the world, so help us out and spread the word. Tell all your friends that are into theater, go online and let them know how they can subscribe to Broadway Bullet. It's really the time to do it because we've already got some fantastic interviews in the can for after the festival is over. I'm not going to spoil the surprise by saying who we've got, but We got some big names and some big people already involved. It really helps for you to review us on iTunes. It helped us secure some of these reviews, and we appreciate the people who did since I last mentioned it. But if you haven't yet, just take like 30 seconds and go to the iTunes Music Store and give us a a five-star review and, and say why you think the show is great. It really can help with us landing some fantastic interviews and content for the future. And last but not least, before we start the program, I just want to take a quick mention that throughout the program, you'll hear me talking about some organizations that are really helping get the word out about Broadway Bullet They see how great this could be for the theater community, and they're really working hard to spread the word about the program. MNL1221 submitted the winning question for our Stump the Staff contest and wins a $20 gift certificate to the Drama Bookshop. The question was, name three Saturday Night Live alumni who have won Tony Awards. We'll announce the answer to that question a little later on in the program, as well as let you know how you can enter the Stump the Staff contest to win a gift certificate. But let's dive right into the program with our first interview. I'm sitting here with three of the people involved with Gutenberg the Musical, another fresh take on musical theater at the New York Musical Theater Festival. How are you guys doing?
4: we're doing well very well
0: so uh why don't you take a second to introduce what all of you are doing with the show
4: uh i'm anthony king i'm one of the writers of gutenberg the musical along with scott brown who is not present i'm christopher fitzgerald
5: i'm a performer in gutenberg the musical
0: i'm jeremy Sheamus, and i'm an actor not a performer in? first off anthony do you want to tell us a little bit about what gutenberg the musical is about
4: yeah Gutenberg the musical is about two we call them dolts i'm, her- um, I'm
0: hurt by that <laughs>
4: yeah, <it's a>
6: little.
4: <laughs> played by jeremy and chris who um, have written a musical called gutenberg the musical that is about Johann gutenberg uh, inventing the printing press uh these guys are not well equipped to write a musical uh they're way in over their heads but they have no idea and so they perform the show at a kind of a backers audition is, is kind of the frame of the show uh so they perform all the roles in the show sing all the songs and they kind of explain it as they go they differentiate all the characters with trucker hats that have the names of the characters on the front of them it's just kind of a weird funny show
5: <laughs> the audience essentially becomes the prospective producers of the show
4: yeah they are i mean their hope is so to take the show to broadway yeah, and that's what the show is we're trying to sell it as we perform to convince it. you how awesome their show is yeah. so as it
7: is, this actually a two-person show then it is a two-person show It's a two-person show but there are i don't know how many characters It's like 20 characters 20 characters and half of them are played by me
4: incredibly well and then the other <laughs> half by Chris I'm, I'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> how long has this been in development uh, it's been in development a couple of years we had a shorter version of the show uh, it was like a, almost less than a one act really uh, that, that we worked on for about a year at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. And then we expanded it and took it to London, where it played at the German Street Theater for 26 performances. And then now this is the world premiere of the of the full two-act version of the show.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your characters within the show? Go ahead, <laughs> Jeremy.
4: Well, I, uh, I'm honored to be playing
7: Johann Gutenberg throughout the show. It's, he's an inspiring man who invented the printing <laughs> press in 1450. Just a little bit of history. Uh, I mean, the nice thing about the show is uh, I think there are probably two types of people. People who are obsessed with the invention of the printing press and people that don't care. This show caters right to the middle. Uh, About all the history that's in the show is the fact that the printing press was invented in 1450. And you don't even need to know that before because (laughs) these guys tell you about ten times. Yeah, they do. Um, But I play play Gutenberg, um, and Gutenberg's a hero of the show, and uh, all I can say, I don't want to give anything away, but he's quite heroic. And Christopher?
5: And I play, I guess among other things, both the love interest Helvetica to Gutenberg. I get to play Helvetica too. It's, yes, you do. Um, once I've kind of established her <laughs> in the show. Uh, and then uh, I also play the evil monk. He envisions a world where um, uh, some, a machine could press books, uh, press the Bible, and they could distribute the Bible. And uh, The monk envisions that? Well, he he he's, he's wants worried th- about that. Oh, yeah. he, he wants to it, stop that. From he he's terrified. To, he's terrified, about terrified of that, that happening.
4: <laughs> illiteracy <laughs> is a large theme. Yeah, illiteracy in the show is a large show because you know that's such a large theme in the world right now. That's kind of the the main issue in the show, I guess, is that Monk doesn't want people to read, and Gutenberg thinks everyone will be able to read as soon as he makes the printing press. The logic doesn't totally work on that, but they don't. Uh, that, no, that, that doesn't but matter. but uh, you know, <laughs> literacy
7: is power. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast who can't read, turn off your computer
0: and learn to read. Try. <laughs> Before we go any further, would you like to take a quick moment to introduce the first song we're going to play from the show? The first song we're going to hear from the show
4: is the opening number and the prologue from the show within the show. And so it's kind of an uh, introduction to the town of Schlimmer, which is where the show is set, Schlimmer, Germany. And you'll hear a lot of different characters from the show.
6: Lights rise on the squalid, stinky bedroom of a friend of Gutenberg. The roof
8: is made of dirty thatch. In the corner, there are rats gnawing on stinky cheese. And lying absolutely still in the middle of the room without moving is a dead baby. Gutenberg's friend and a doctor examined the dead baby. We did all we could. I'm afraid your baby is dead. But I gave him this medicine. Dem ain't medicine. Dem's jelly beans. Jelly beans, but if only you could read.
6: See ya. Jelly beans, not medicine. If only I could read my son, he wouldn't need an elegy. Stupid beans, not medicine. Oh, God, here in this jar, I can't read what these are. Damn jelly beans.
8: Hello, friend. Is there anything Johann Gutenberg can do? Shut up! Friend of Gutenberg sobs like a woman. He cradles his dead baby in his illiterate arms. Blackout. Schlemmer, Germany, a German town full of German things like feet and short pants. Gutenberg walks down the streets of this medieval burg and soon encounters a woman and her daughter on their way to market. They're carrying kraut, sauerkraut. Good morning, Gutenberg. Call me Johann. Johann Gutenberg. Hello,
6: Mr. Gutenberg. It's Gutenberg.
8: How are you today, little girl?
6: As happy as I can be, considering I can't read.
8: Another woman throws open her shutters to greet the morning. She dumps her stinky chamber pot, and soon the town of Slummers alive. Not alive like a monster, but alive like a town full of people
6: bustling, doing stuff. It's nice to live in medieval Germany In the beautiful town of Schlimmer. We all get along in perfect harmony I'm a beef fat trimmer The beef comes
8: in white with fat It leaves a good bit slimmer We're just drunks coming out from the bar In the beautiful town of Schlemmer Hey Gutenberg, got any wine? You're the wine president, it's where the wine is. Is it over here? It's not over here. Where is it? (laughs) Hey now fellas, my wine's not the answer to all your problems. Yes it is. It's not like we can read. I can't read. Hey Gutenberg, let's have some fun. Gutenberg, Don Tootenberg. He's the best chap around, at least in this town. Sure is Call me Johan. Yeah, Gutenberg. Johan.
6: Gutenberg. Hey, hey, it's the boot black. Shine your bootenberg. Sure, bootblack. You're a man in your prime, making friends all the time. No Gutenberg. Ten
8: ducat. hey,
6: hey. Yes, Gutenberg.
8: <laughs> okay, fellas. I gotta be getting back to my wine press shop. Don't you guys have anything to do? No. It's not like we can read. You can't read. You can't read. Shut up. What? Hey, let's not fight. Maybe I'll buy you a flower from that
6: adorable flower girl. Here's a posy you can wear in your lapel. I stole it from a Jew. He cried and he fought, but I sent him straight to hell. So now it belongs to you.
8: slimmer you are the best darn town in the pride of slimmer and
6: the the,
3: the prim- pride of, of
8: slimmer. Slimmer. I'm the, the
4: prim- pride i am goo and that is not christopher and jeremy so any uh, horribleness in the in the vocal quality of that should not be
7: uh, that was anthony and scott who have been performing the show and they performed it in
0: England to rave reviews in London so what is the difference between a real backers audition and this show I imagine <laughs> that the audience at this show versus a backers audition would be a
7: little bit more rambunctious and have a lot more fun I imagine a backers audition is a lot of
0: uh, judgment 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 and, and dread <laughs> anger dread and looking through their purse
4: yeah
0: <laughs> do we get a lot of information as to what's involved with a backers
4: audition you do and they they almost over explain everything because we've kind of been describing it as, like, the outsider's guide to, um, to musical theater. Um, so they explain everything they're doing and why they're doing it, like, over the top, almost to the point where it's, like, they think the, the audience, I guess, is as dumb as they are, so... It's almost like it's something. almost
7: like they went online and learned about how to write a musical, and then rather than just doing it, they did it, and then they explained why they did every step of the thing. You know? It's
4: like so, a Wikipedia so. of musical theater. It is. Like, <laughs> it is the
0: Wikipedia. <laughs> what brought you to the concept of the show?
4: When I first moved to New York, I worked at Manhattan Theater Club as an intern in the music theater department. I had to go see a billion readings and back in, backers auditions, uh, and also read a lot of musicals. And most musicals that people write are not very good that's not an insult i guess it is no it's a compliment um (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so it started with scott and i kind of we wanted to submit some songs to lee johnson at Manhattan theater club who's who at that time was the head of the music theater department uh under fake names for a bad musical and just see what he said about it and so we tried to come up with What's the worst, stupidest thing to write a musical about? And we decided on the printing press, because it's not even a moment. Like, you can't even dramatize uh, <laughs> the moment that the printing press happens. So uh, so we started writing it, and then as we started writing it, it became like, oh, we should perform this. This is this is really stupid and funny. It kind of grew from there. We never submitted it, because it turned into an actual show.
0: What was involved? How did it come about to actually get mounted in London before it got mounted here? Last
4: year in the Music Theater Festival, we did the shorter version of the show the, um, at, the, at the Upright Citizen Theater. It was like a UCB was kind of a comedy venue. so there were a lot of like improv musicals and stuff that no one in theater came to see uh, because it was at a comedy theater and everyone looks down on that. From that, Trevor Brown, who um, produced it in London, found out about the show and and uh, commissioned us to kind of expand it into two acts.
0: Chris I understand you you did fully committed. Off yes. Broadway. So is it easier doing a two-person show playing a bunch of characters than a one-person show playing a bunch of characters?
5: Well, when I was doing well, uh, when I was alone, I, you know, I was in full control, but now I have to kind of share the space with Jeremy, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but I I don't know. I, you know,
7: I have to kind of he's like, making a lot of funny gestures. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, I think what's actually interesting about this project is that uh, Anthony and Scott wrote it and performed in it all along. And, you know, they've kind of given us, a, you know, a chance to, to explore it as actors, um, apart from them being writer performers. And I think that was really kind of brave of them. And I think it's going to... So, so we're kind of essentially like playing these two parts that these guys have already played. And so... it's kind of an interesting thing as we're trying to find our way into it all.
0: So if people want to catch Gutenberg the musical, what are the dates that it's at the festival?
4: Uh, It's playing there September 22nd through the 30th at the
0: Sage Theater on 45th Street. All right. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck. Uh, Would you like to introduce the second song we're going to play from the show?
4: Sure. This is the uh, big first act love ballad uh, sung by the character of Helvetica, who is uh, Gutenberg's love interest. It's called uh, I Can't Read Him.
0: All right, well, thanks coming down, and good luck as you get ready for the
4: show.
8: Thank thanks. you. You know, I couldn't make it without you. The wine,
6: I mean. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Wonderful, sir. I watch him working at his prayers. I watch him make his wine. I stomp the grapes and dream about the day I'll make him mine. But I know that day will never come, because I am too obtuse. I'm just too dumb to understand anything but this grape juice. says my name, Helvetica Gumishtipal, Helvetica Gumishtipal, Gumishtipal, that's been my name since birth, but there's one name I traded for on this flat planet Earth, so I'll stay in my bucket. One day I'll be Helvetica Gutenberg us or we us through we us we us or we, us or we.
0: Alter Boys is a smash-off-Broadway musical that has been running nearly two years since it debuted at the New York Musical Theater Festival its first season. They're helping get the word out about our show, so we're doing the same for them. Alter Boys is a very funny musical comedy about a five-boy Christian boy band. Well, actually, it's four catholics and a jew as they joke in the show it's funny lots of great memorable songs and they have a very special vip package you should know about you get the best seats in the house a free altar boys cd a free altar boys t-shirt a free altar boys button and you even get to meet the boys after the show and you get all this for only 125 twenty-five dollar per ticket It's a fantastic value. You can catch Alter Boys at the New World Stages at 340 West 50th Street and find out more at Alterboys.com. that's boys with a z and now back to our interviews the new york musical theater festival is constantly working on expanding its boundaries even in its third year and this year they are introducing a dance series as well and we have wendy seib here with us who is the creator and choreographer of school days how are you doing i'm great i understand this is your own production correct correct you developed it created it
9: Choreographed it, directed it, yeah.
0: So what is School Days about?
9: The fantasies and desires of six high school students in a 1980s high school dance. Very John Hughes, which is sort of, you know, my upbringing of Sixteen Candles and sort of a homage to that, shall we say.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm gonna start playing some music from the show as we mm-hmm. talk so people can get an idea of what they're gonna be hearing mm-hmm. as we discuss the show. Great. Maybe tell us about the geek fantasy sequence.
9: At the dance we see the fantasy and reality, sort of one piece sort of flip flops. So first we see reality, then the fantasy and reality and the fantasy. And the geek fantasy is where everything kind of stops, everything is frozen except for the geek, and he's looking at the dork who's just been completely dissed by everybody so she's very upset and he wants to console her and but he loves her and she's like this grecian statue and he kind of dances around her and you know smells her hair and he's just so in love with her you know it's It's a little cartoonish, very much like Bugs Bunny, which is one of my inspirations. She comes to life, they have a lovely pas de deux, then everybody, they kiss, everybody else comes to life, he's very excited, he dances his wonderful dance of joy, and because it's his fantasy, everybody thinks he's the coolest guy, and wow, show us that dance again. So through that, he's accepted, which is one of his other fantasies, he's in love with a dork, but he also wants to be accepted, so this is done through his movement. so but in his fantasy, everybody dances like him. So everybody dances like a geek. So it's kind of fun we get to show a bunch of different styles throughout the whole piece because we see it from other characters' point of view, what their world they would like it to be.
0: And tell us a little bit about the high school dance itself.
9: Well, the high school dance was very fun because I had to, you know, go back into my my high school years, which I'm sure everybody's, you know excited to see founder. excited to see. Um, I was trying to think of what are the big elements of a high school dance, you know, there's the dance-off, which we have, which is very crazy. Then we also have, you know, the big slow dance. You know, for me it was... Um, What did we do? Oh, Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. That was one of our slow dances. But it's, it, I sort of pulled out the idea from the old 80s movies where you're at a, you know, the Catholic high school dance and you've got the boys on one side and the girls on the other side and they have to like cross over and, you know, ask certain people to dance and it's kind of the big moment like, oh my God, is he going to pick me? Should I pick her? And... Throughout the ensemble, I have these three great couples that sort of reflect different characters. We've got the couple that's been making out since they were 12, and, you know, they're, like, very sexually advanced. Then we have the other couple that, you know, they're very shy. Maybe they just got to dance together for the first time, and they're kind of having an awkward moment, like, where do I put my hands? And then we have another couple, which I'm still fleshing out. Maybe he doesn't like her, but she likes him, and he took her because... It's his friend's little sister, and he's like, all right, I'll take you. So there's some, you know, animosity there. It's hopefully very entertaining. It's has been received wonderfully, the different little showings I've done around town, so. You well,
0: know, how many characters are in the show?
9: There are 12.
0: It's a pretty good-sized cast for a small production. Yeah,
9: especially <laughs> for a small stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now, I'm, I'm kind of sensing all the different styles you're talking about, that you need to somehow balance a fair amount of technical expertise with mm-hmm. also a a youthful appearance uh, how, how have you chosen to balance the the skill level you need from your dancers
9: um... through lots of brutal choreography No, i, I basically my rehearsals are very fun you know I, I like people to come in and create with me um... so but i also need then with that people to have like you mentioned a very technical background they need to be able to really be solid. Um, but with that, they also have to be incredible comedians. And comedians in the sense of actually acting. No one's speaking. I'm not mm-hmm. a big dialogue person with dance. But therefore, they need to be very experienced in being able to communicate without speaking. Also, very pedestrian, so it's not a lot of big dumb show. But comedy is really the thing that drives this entire piece. So you gotta be willing to like, jump in and really be a goof. It's a tough balance, but I've been extremely lucky to find incredibly talented and smart dancers. And there are a lot out there, You know those wonderful dancers that aren't quite the lead, but they're beyond working in the chorus. And they have so much to give and they're so smart. And I'm very lucky to be able to have this piece to share with them and create with them. I don't dumb down the dance though either. You know, to me it's very important. I, I feel like audiences are very intelligent, and you know, sort of like Twyla Tharp. <laughs> not that I'm Twyla Tharp. Um, I hold her in <laughs> high regard, mind you. Um, but that she, you know, she told a very clear story with moving out. But the movement was not dumbed down. It was very intense, very technical, very difficult movement. Um, but I don't think she lost a lot of her audience. My stuff tends to be. Not quite as what I guess you consider dancy. Um, there's a lot more pedestrian and gestures, very much along the lines of like Charlie Chaplin. I'm very influenced by Jackie Chan. <laughs> sort of very strange con- conglomerate of inspiration. Well, martial
0: arts but, is a lot. In a way, it's a lot of it's dance. It's choreographed. Exactly. It's.
9: But it's his comedy that I really enjoy about his his work and the sort of feeling of the everyday man. That even though he's this incredible martial artist. In every movie, you're still, like, with him. You're still there. You know, even though I might not be a martial artist, you're with that guy, and you're like, yeah, go. And he's always sort of surprised by his martial art, which is always enjoyable for me.
0: Some of the songs we've been hearing as we've been playing this, I'm kind of getting the sense that this is almost like kind of a jukebox musical with classical music. Is
9: Yeah, that's been our sort of PR flip. I was like, well, it is you know a jukebox musical in that obviously none of it is original for the show it's all classical music it's mozart rossini you know all the things that people are generally familiar with maybe you'll see in car commercials or or bugs bunny which
0: how does that jive with you said the 80s setting of it actually
9: works really well we did i had no idea I, was, I started with 80s music, and I'm like, I'm shooting myself in the foot here, because I'm not going to be able to track down all of these artists, first of all, and I don't think Rick Springfield is really going to be excited about me using Jessie's Girl, as of right now, maybe later. Um, so I just said, let's just try some classical music for now to just see if it works, and Mozart's either rolling in his grave, or he's laughing in his grave, and I like to think he's laughing we do use a lot of the 80s movement so you know it's very familiar we pull from thriller we pull from i mean you know all the janet jackson videos that you know i grew up learning in my living room um but the good thing is is we we then go beyond that you know it's a nice palette that we start with but with the fantasy pieces we're allowed to sort of then go beyond that vernacular so it's not just all stuck in the 80s dance
0: i understand that uh there's, like, two other shows in the dance series mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know their names?
9: I believe the other two dance pieces are called All is Love and Common Grounds.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple things dance aficionados mm-hmm. can check out at the...
9: We're the only funny one.
0: <laughs> or so
9: far as I know. The other ones are great, though.
0: What dates is your, your school days going on?
9: We open September 21st, and we go through September 28th.
0: And with theater?
9: We had 37 Arts which is exciting because it's an, actually an off-Broadway theater. Um, it's the new one on uh, 450 West 37th Street, where um, Beryshnikov's in, in his building.
0: And I understand that you have a very special engagement yourself a couple of weeks after the oh, show.
9: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about ten days later after we close, I'm getting married. So it's a big fall for me. No pun intended. Well,
0: hope, is he also a Jackie Chan fan?
9: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> he's a fan of me, so that's good. <laughs> We're a fan of each other.
0: All right, well, thanks for coming down. and Wish you the best of luck with your production. Thank you. Hope everybody comes down and sees it. You bet. All right, thanks a lot, Wendy. Thanks, Michael. With over 25 years working at the Colony in the heart of the New York Theater District, Marty Cooper has seen a lot of shows and gathered a lot of tales, and he shares them here with us in On the Positive Side. And this week, he talks about stars that should have flopped.
10: This week's topic are uh, stars that should have flopped, but didn't. Stars that should have been lousy, but weren't. At least in Marty Cooper's opinion. I mean, we were hearing a lot about Melanie Griffith going into Chicago. At first, when I heard her name, I said, oh my goodness, how is she going to do this? You know, and let me tell you, my wife and I went, and she was great. I don't know how many of you well, if you're listening to this podcast, you know Chicago. And Roxy comes out on the stage about five minutes into the show. She runs out, and she runs after her boyfriend, the one she's having an affair with. As soon as she ran out, you say to yourself, that's Melanie Griffith. Then she went on to charm us for two and a half hours. She was, in all her five foot eleven glory, the cutest thing on Broadway. She danced well enough to hold up her end of the bargain. I loved her in that show and she should have gotten better notices from a lot of people. I must say I work around the corner from from Chicago. I know a lot of people I knew a lot of people in that cast and they would come in every day and tell me how my, how great Melanie is She'd be in the theater five o'clock practicing that cartwheel that she had to do at the end of the show and she did it hands down, loved her in it and was really pleasantly surprised then a number of years back there was a country singer reba mcintyre who's one of the cutest things going with her bright red hair i think people were thinking that my goodness she has to fill the supreme divas that's bernadette peters she has to fill her shoes and uh, this won't do but forgive me for saying this bernadette i know you were god in many ways but she might have entertained me a little more She did, I got lost in his arms and I was welling up. One of the most touching things I've ever seen. I met her after the show and she was absolutely adorable. Then a few years ago, filling Matthew Broderick's shoes with Steven Weber, imported from TV's wings. Steven Weber doing a song and dance number. How is that gonna happen? Well, I gotta tell you, when he did, I want to be a producer. He was Donald O'Connor. I was really overjoyed with his performance. And I saw that night, I saw my friend Brad Oscar, who I knew when he got off the bus in New York the first time. He does Bialy Stock from time to time. He's done it on tour, he's done it in London, and he's done it here a lot. And they were both great. Pleasant surprise with this one. Last year, about a year and a half ago, they asked Harvey Feierstein if he would like to play Tevye. And he says, you know, maybe I would. The funny thing is, he was asked, how do you think you'll feel playing a straight Jewish father? And he says, for like the last year and a half, or the last two years, I've been playing an overweight mother. You know, how do you think I should feel? I think this is a little easier. It's a little less of a stretch. And when he came out with his wagon, and he sang, If I Were a Rich Man, he held us captive. It is one of the best versions of Rich Man I'd ever heard. He was just total charmer. He works. We're looking for more of this, and we're looking for more people to blast before they go in and do their allotted performances, and hopefully we'll all be pleasantly surprised more times. Thanks for listening again, and until next week, stay on the positive side.
0: On the Positive Side is brought to you by The Colony, located at 49th and Broadway in New York, or online at colonymusic.com. Marty and his friendly staff are always ready to help you out in finding the best selection of musical cast albums, sheet music selections, even karaoke, a New York landmark for over 57 years. Be sure to visit the Colony. The musical title of show debuted at last year's New York Musical Theater Festival and has since had a very successful off-Broadway run, but their run must come to an end, although they did manage to announce a three-week extension. So you have until October 1st to catch the wonderfully clever Title of Show is a made-a-musical about two musical theater composers trying to write a musical in time for a festival. The cast album is, however, always available. And remember, you have till October 1st to still catch Title of Show off-Broadway. You can also find out more information at titleofshow.com. We're gonna play one of the songs from the musical and the cast album. Here is Two Nobodies in New York.
2: What if this dialogue were set to music? What if what we're saying could be said in a song? Hey, that's not a bad idea. Perhaps we could use it. Music in a musical, how can we go wrong? We could ask significant questions. We could points across, like are we writing for art, and is art a springboard for fame, and will fame get folks to trust us, but will they trust us, if it's just us, me and you, to nobody's in news. I think it's working. We're discovering choices. Lots of things to think about when writing a show. Yeah, creating a vehicle to showcase our voices. And I don't mean our vocal cords. I mean what's below. Uh Uh-huh. We could ask significant questions. We could get important points across. Like, are we writing for art? Is art a springboard for fame? And will fame get us a paycheck? But will a paycheck mean that we'll sell out? And if we sell out, will they yell out me and you? to nobody's in New York. Keychain! Maybe someday our show will get a theater. And if not this festival, then somewhere out west. TV actors in our show, what could be better? Sweeter! Could- what? Sweeter, we've been over this. You know the lyric is sweeter. Uh, but here's the deal. One of them sounds like it's two syllables, and the other sounds like it's three syllables. So it's like, sweeter, theater. Does that rhyme? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Larry, from the key change. <clears throat> a Five, six, seven, eight. Maybe someday our show will get a theater. And if not this festival, then somewhere out west. TV actors in our show, what could be sweeter? Thanks. Great. <laughs> we could get that woman who was on empty nest. man Manoff? She's awesome. Yeah. She was in Greece. Yeah. And leader of the pack. We could ask significant questions. We could get important points across. Like, are we writing for art? And is art a springboard for fame? And will fame get us a sitcom? And will a sitcom get us on Ellen? And will Ellen get folks to like us? And if they like us, will they like us? Me and you. Nobody's in New York Nobody's in New York
0: If you're really deep into theater there's a blog that you might enjoy. It's called blogwaybaby.com It's run by Suzy Kahn who wrote the musical from last year's New York Musical Theater Festival, Plain Crazy She writes about All sorts of different things from a fan's perspective, so it's always interesting, and it's been gaining a lot of popularity. We're also going to be featuring the headlines from that on the front page at BroadwayBullet.com. One of the organizations helping spread the word about Broadway Bullet is Ars Nova. Founded just three years ago, Ars Nova opened its doors in memory of Gabe Weiner with the goal of being a home for artists to develop and perform new works in an intimate setting. Ars Nova produces theater, comedy, and music events, making exciting live entertainment accessible to New York audiences at affordable prices. In addition to fully staged productions, Ars Nova offers a free play reading series called Out Loud, an alternative music and comedy series, that's Thursdays at 10, and a musical theater series, the Broadway Spotlight, a singer-songwriter series, Uncharted, and an in-house writer's workshop. For more information, you can visit arsnovanyc.com. In addition, Ars Nova is partnering up with NYMF, the New York Musical Theater Festival, during the event for a concert series. They're going to be presenting everything from Grammy-winning composer Andrew Lippa showcasing his new songs to the Dirty Songs of Tasty Skank to Broadway's Hottest Ingenues that we played back in Episode 2. The common denominator in all the shows is that you'll be seeing material you aren't going to see anywhere else right now. We're going to be playing a song from Old Springs Pike, an act that's performing in the NYMF concert series at Ars Nova at the end of the program. And let's get into another interview with one of the shows from the New York Musical Theater Festival. Holiday shows have always been a big tradition in theater, and we've got a great holiday show with the New York Musical Theater Festival. Three of the people involved with the Paisley Sisters Christmas Special are here. How's everybody doing? Groovy. Great. great. <laughs> right. would you like to everybody take a quick moment to introduce yourselves and what you're doing with the show?
11: Hi, I'm Sheila Stasek, and I am the director of the Paisley Sisters Christmas Special.
12: And I'm Bobby Bianca, Robert Bianca, the choreographer. Hey, everyone. I'm Doug Shapiro, and I'm playing Bernard. Sheila, what is the Paisley Sisters Christmas Special about?
11: Well, uh, Paisley Sisters Christmas Special is the brand-new 1964 musical. It's about sisters singing group, much like the Lennon Sisters and the Maguire Sisters, and their first television Christmas special that they're doing live. And the show is really a juxtaposition of what's going on on stage, live on the TV, and how all their lives are falling apart backstage.
0: Now, I understand that this is a pretty small cast.
11: Uh, There are four women, the four Paisley sisters, or three. there's three sisters and then their niece. And there's one uh, male involved, a man, but we only ever hear his voice. We don't get to see him, and that's our friend Doug over here. Just
12: like now, you only get to hear the voice.
11: (laughs) Which is too bad, because he's quite handsome.
0: So what's it like being a voiceover actor in a musical?
12: Uh, Well, it's fun. It's sort of a combination of two loves, because I'm a music theater guy and a voiceover guy, so it's nice to combine, fuse the two, if you will. So it's uh, all the stuff that needs to go on and... You have to channel it into a very small space in order to get the story told.
0: We've heard what the show's about, but what's kind of the feel, the concept of the show? Or is it...
11: I was just going to say, in terms of overall style, it's um, it's a bit stylized. On the surface, very sweet, uh, very Doris Day, leave it to beaverish. But uh, there's other stuff going on. Why don't you talk about that?
13: Well, no, I was just going to say, in pertaining to your question about, I don't think, what I like about the show is, I don't think it it doesn't do, it doesn't wink at the audience, and it doesn't, refer to modern day times, although some of the theming or the ideas that Sheila is speaking about, the undercurrent is certainly timely but what i like about it is that it 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 is in the period and it is solidly in the period we want to i think keep the style of 64 Mm -hmm. you know and
0: really solidify that so that's what i like about it all right before we go any further um would you like to quick introduce the first song we're going to be playing from the show
11: uh yes this is christmas time in swing town um it's uh, all four of the women singing just as it says it's a swing number
0: How did everybody get involved in the
12: Paisley Sisters Christmas special here? I've been friends with Brett Silverman, who's not only music director, he's also the composer and co-writer at the Barnstormers in New Hampshire, so I've been working with him for six summers and one week stock, so we're used to very tight schedules, as we'll be doing now, and He's fantastic. He asked me to join a couple weeks ago.
13: You know, we were playing phone tag because, you know, I don't know, it just always works out that way. And uh, Jim Ansart, who is, uh, he's one of the, uh, the authors. One of the authors, and also, is he the producer? Not the producer. He's, yes. Yeah. Uh, so much how, I, how much I know. He emailed me or called me and said, you know, Bobby, could you please send your resume? And it was and like, I hadn't sent it with, like, two hours, and then he ca- called back, oh, Bobby, you know, we don't need your resume. We Googled you or something like that. <laughs> and I had done this sh- this special for the drama department in the city, Douglas Carter Beans, the drama department, and it was a Tupperware special. And the, the, the picture was of a woman from the 50s with Tupperware. And he said, oh, he understands the style then. He must know the style because <laughs> he did the Tupperware special because he mentioned that, so I thought that was funny, actually.
11: Uh-huh. Um, I uh, have known Brett Silverman four years. We used to work together in a a children's arts program in Boston. This was my third go-around with the Paisley sisters. I directed it for the first time 10 years ago, and again a couple years after that at at another theater, both theaters in Boston. And I now live in New York, and when they decided to bring the show to New York, uh, Brett called me up and said, well, you want to be the director again? So of course I do, because I think it's a terrific show.
12: Yeah, it's great. And he's crazy, they're both crazy talented, it's just... What's uh, the
0: choreography situation like with this show?
12: You
13: know, we're still developing it, but my feelings on it, like I said before about the theme of the show, is that obviously... You know, try to bring out the the movement quality that was very popular in the '64. You know, it was sort of a transitional time, I think, musically. You know, coming from, as Sheila said, like a doorstep. You know, more of the standards into more of the rock and rock and roll, but in a pop way. You know, it's, this isn't really rock; it's sort of pop way, and it, it had you know soulful type movement that was sort of homogenized. You know, and, and brought down, especially if there's a white girls group. You know, so I really feel like it, it's it's presentational. It's not this is not plot driven choreography, although as we've said maybe that would change. Maybe we'll have a huge ballet that evolves. I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's it's sort of a presentational and hopefully it, it has some comment and weight to the musical.
0: Doug, I understand you're doing double duty during the festival here. Yes, I'm also going to be participating in
12: Wallenberg, which is the story of well, Raul Wallenberg, um, who saved over 100,000 Jews in Budapest during the Holocaust. And it's, you know, sort of a similar feel um <laughs> the choreography the movement the wigs it's uh <laughs> it, it, it's I'm also we, we should, we should <laughs> talk
11: about the wigs for a second speaking of wigs uh, to you. Uh, yeah the paisley sisters um uh wigs are very important in this show and we have some wigs that do special tricks so you definitely want to come and see Any merkins? the merkins wigs
0: <laughs> that's true
11: <laughs> it's a wig show it's a wig fashion show
0: so who are all the actors uh playing the paisley sisters in the show
11: uh, abby pollard is playing Abigail Paisley. She's the niece. Janine Mercandetti is playing Bonnie Paisley, one of the sisters. Valerie Fagan is playing Connie Paisley. And Mary Jane Raleigh is playing Lonnie Paisley.
0: Right, now, I do have to say that with the small cast and the holiday feel, it seems like a real ideal show for, like, community theaters or regional theaters to... To put on, you know. It is a stunningly
11: commercial show. It is so
0: marketable. Um,
11: It's wonderful. There are some underlying serious themes, but it's loads of fun, light as a feather, and a terrific kind of a show for someone who's got a small venue, someone who's got a limited budget in terms of how many actors you can hire. Every time I've been involved with the show, it's been sold out. It's been a huge success.
12: What I think is great about it is that it's also parts for women, which are so hard to come yeah. by. There's a show that's women centric because everything, you know, whenever there's a woman, they always have a man dressing up. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. There are more women in the field trying to get work.
11: Yeah, yeah. Oh, there
0: are there a lot of frantic costume changes in the show?
11: Huge. Wig, um, wigs also. Oh, that's
0: why you're backstage doing the <laughs> voice. <talking>. <laughs> <You> <laughs>
11: <mentioned>. <laughs> <laughs> costumes and wigs.
12: I come on over them like, wait, I'm trying to get in the safety pin.
11: That's all part of the fun because it, because it's supposed to be a live television show and it's being done in real time. <clears throat> the same kind of problems that they're having changing their costumes and wigs are the same ones that they're having to make sure they do quickly enough for the television part of the show.
0: What dates can people catch this at the festival?
11: Uh, We open the 19th of September and run through the 26th. So we've got six performances in that time frame. And we are at the Sage Theater on 7th Avenue.
0: Would you like to introduce uh, the last song we're going to play from the show?
11: The Mrs. Santa Claus Blues. Let me say that one of the characters in the play is uh, having a little bit of a nervous breakdown and goes from being her sweet sort of June Cleaver self into a kind of a new and different Mrs. Santa Claus.
0: All right, well, thanks for coming down while you're getting the show whipped thank together you. for the festival. And thank you for dressing the studio up in Paisley. really appreciate that. <laughs> yes.
3: I got it big. I got it bad. I got it blue. I've got the blues. Give me the blues in D-Boys Just follow me and hold tight Cause I'm going down Near midnight on the 24th Tomorrow is the big one mm-hmm. Near midnight on the 24th Tomorrow is a big one Farther north in this one You know it ain't easy Being Mrs. Santa Claus Each Christmas Eve he leaves me And all night I turn and toss He's passing out the goodies All of me a piece of coal And lucky me I'm stuck here at the power. And
0: We mentioned earlier for our Stump the Staff contest that MNL1221 asked what three Saturday Night Live alumni have won Tony Awards. Well, Max from the Drama Bookshop had the answer to the winning question. Billy Crystal won a Tony for 700 Sundays for a special theatrical event. Sneaky. In 2005, Christina Ebersole was a regular on SNL in 1985, and she, of course, won for Best Actress in a Musical for 42nd Street in 2001. And Martin Short won for Best Actor in a Musical for Little Me in 1999. Well, m l failed to stump the staff this week, but it was the last question answered, so m l receives a gift certificate for $20 to the Drama Bookshop. And those gift certificates are usable anywhere. They ship internationally. So we need some more of you theater buffs to step up and try to stump the staff. Your odds of winning right now are pretty good because we've only had two questions entered the past couple weeks. You can just go to BroadwayBullet.com and you'll find the current link to stump the staff. You can enter your questions. We close the forum for questions every Thursday night or whenever we have reached 10 questions. And then we'll immediately put up a new form to start submitting questions for next week so you don't have to catch it in such a narrow time window. We'll be moving the questions then to the Volume 5 thread where you can see how fast the Drama Bookshop can answer the questions. Drama Bookshop is located on 40th Street between 7th and 8th Avenues in New York City. You can also find them online at dramabookshop.com. They have a great selection and, of course, a knowledgeable staff, and they will ship anywhere. We announced last week that Nymph was having a Broadway Idol competition to be going on at their Friday night parties during the festival. Well, 175 people tried out, and they have narrowed it down to the nine finalists. Shannon Amiri, Elizabeth DeRosa... Swam Eskandani, Jacqueline Huberman, Beth Kirkpatrick, Terry Lavelle, Jameson Lindenberg, Jeff McLean, and Katie Thomas. One of those nine will be the new Broadway Idol. The winner gets their own concert promoted by Ars Nova and NYMF at the Ars Nova Theater. In addition, we're going to go ahead and interview the winner on this show and let them show off their vocal wares here as well. So best of luck to the contestants, and you can catch them showing off their vocal prowess each Friday night at the New World Stages at 9pm. Tickets are $10. Let's get back to our interviews and songs from the New York Musical Theater Festival with a show from the Concert Reading Series at Nymph. It can be hard to find a great show to bring the kids to in musical theater sometimes. There's only a few offerings out there, but we've got a couple people involved with the production Blue Lou and the Bullyfish that are looking to add another option to those choices. How are you doing?
14: Great! Fantastic.
0: Would you like to take a quick moment to introduce yourselves and how you're involved with the projects?
1: Yes, my name is Joni Winston. I'm the producer of Big Splash Productions, and Blue Lou and the Bullyfish is just one of our many projects.
14: And my name is Debbie Zimmerman, and I'm the publicist.
0: Joni, do you want to tell us a little bit about Blue Lou and the Bullyfish?
14: Sure. Blue Lou and the Bullyfish was originally
1: a play that was adapted by Stephanie Arison-Portnoy with the music by Andrea Green Fagenbaum. It's a musical children's storybook which is coming out September 10th, and we have adapted it into a concert version, which is going to be presented at the New York Musical Theater Festival.
0: Some children's theater productions are designed for children to perform for kids, some are for adults to perform to kids. What is the the nature of the show?
14: The unique concept behind this show is that it can be performed by either one. Our cast at the New York Musical Theater Festival is comprised of seven adults and six children. Um, It's upbeat music, catchy, fabulous, and you will walk away singing the songs. The flip side of this project is that it's also a musical storybook. Um, It deals with the issue of bullying. And we are in the process of developing uh, lesson plans, and we will be promoting this throughout all the schools throughout the United States. So schools can take the script and the music, and they can teach the lessons, and they can either bring in a performing troupe to do the show, or they can have the kids in the school actually perform it themselves.
1: we have actually had some high schools for the performing arts uh, who have shown an interest of actually their students performing the shows out into other elementary schools for their
0: school district. Before we go any further, would you like to take a moment and introduce one of the songs from Blue Lou and the Bluefish?
1: Sure. The first song that we're going to hear today is called At the Cat. The story is basically about Blue Lou, who's a big fish, and his very best friend is Shrimpy. Blue Lou wants to be initiated into the Big Fish Club. But the Big Fish Club has become the Bully Fish Club. And in order for him to get into that club, he has to be initiated. And his task is, of course, to eat shrimpy, his best friend. So that's not going to happen. And we have this predicament going back and forth. Now, the place where everyone hangs out is at the Catfish Cafe. So here's Blue Lou, Shrimpy, and his friends singing at the cat.
15: the stars are
0: When you're doing a musical on stage, dealing with underwater characters, I imagine there's a little bit of a staging challenge. What's involved with getting the underwater world onto the stage?
14: Oh, it's going to be fabulous. First of all, we will have all the beautiful illustrations from the book projected onto a screen. And as the story unfolds, these beautiful illustrations will come to life. Since we're doing it as a concert version, our actors will be staged at microphones, which will be decorated with all sorts of underwater foliage and and animals and things like that. And the kids in the show will be sitting around a storyteller, and they'll be with sand buckets and, and sunglasses, and we have some other surprises in store as well.
0: You know, a lot of times the theater industry is complaining that they aren't getting enough new audience members to replace the ones who are literally dying off, as they say in the industry so many times. And so I find it very interesting that you're finding a lot of different angles to get the show into the public. Is there a couple more ways you want to talk about how you're getting the word of the show out?
1: Well, I really think that this show, although it's primarily for children, really appeals to all of us. There isn't a time in everyone's life when they weren't bullied. So fortunately or unfortunately, we can identify with a subject matter. Uh, lots of adults even today are still bullying.
14: In addition to theaters, we're going out into the schools. We're participating in an arts, books, and culture festival at the Katz Jewish Community Center on November 5th in Cherry Hill. And then the following week we are bringing a large group of inner-city children from Camden um, into an area theater where we'll be performing as well. Promoting ourselves to aquariums, uh, regional theaters that have children's series Uh, That's another way to get our show out and to get our message across.
0: Now, is the show available already for regional theaters or community theaters to produce?
14: Yes, it is. In
1: fact, we've even had Dinner Theater from Indiana contacted us last week that's interested in putting the show on. Also, the... um, American Association of School Counselors is interested, and we will also be represented at the New Jersey Education Association in November,
14: which takes place in Atlantic City. We've been endorsed by the Philadelphia Physicians for Responsible Medicine and the Philadelphia Citizens for Children and Youth. So it's something that we have to think about. It's a national problem.
1: In fact, a portion of the proceeds of the book are being donated to these anti-violent organizations with hopes that they'll be able to continue to promote a more civil
0: society. And what were the dates with the New York Musical Theater Festival again?
14: September 17th at 1 o'clock and 4.30 at the 45th Street Theater, which is located at 354 West 45th Street.
0: And before we close the interview, uh, Joni, would you like to tell us about the second song we're going to play?
14: Yes, the second song is called Get
1: Out of Your Shell. And I think there's a time in everyone's life where they've had that issue of either shyness or insecurity. And this song is sung by Tony Award nominee, John Tartaglia, who, by the way, on the original cast CD, plays the part of Blue Lou. The song is called Get Out of Your Shell, and that's what we want everyone to do. Get out of your shell and come see Blue Lou and the Bullyfish.
0: All right. Well, thanks to the two of you for stopping by as you get ready for your performance and get the word out for the book as well.
14: Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
15: inside. Who, me? Get out of your shell. Don't think so. Crack open wide. I'd prefer to stay right here, thank you. Go test the water. You're not listening, are you? Try something new. Get out of, get out of, get out of your shell. That's what you should do. Get out of your shell. Get out of your shell. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Get out of your shell. Say goodbye to the shape. Say goodbye to the shape. Go test the water. Go test the water. Try something new. Oh. Get, get, outta, get, outta, outta, get out of, get out of, get out of your shell. shell. That's what you should do. Don't be shy. Go on and try.
6: I can't seem to try
15: something new.
3: Get out, of, get, out of, get out of your shell. That's what
6: you should do. Get out of your shell. My tongue's tied. Don't be afraid. My throat's numb. Get out of your shell.
15: My heart
6: beats. Say goodbye to the shade. Fast like a tom tom. Don't test the water.
8: I can't seem to
6: try, try something new.
2: Get out of, get out of, get out of your shell. That's what you should do. Uh. Don't
6: be shy. Go on and try to stretch into the light. And if you do, I'm telling you, everything will be alright.
2: I'm out of my shell. Be
6: strong, I took the plunge. Be true. I'm out of my shell. Hold on. I feel like a sponge What's <laughs> inside of I'm feeling happy I'm feeling swell I'm out of, I'm out of, I'm out of my mind Because I'm out of my
8: shell Oh boy
0: Before we play the last song this episode, I just want to remind everybody that Broadway Bullet is also being syndicated on Broadway World Radio. You can find them at broadwayworld.com. They also have a lot of other great theater programs, and their radio station plays nonstop musical theater and even takes your requests for a top request at 6 p.m. Remember, you can always find out more information about all of the shows and interviews and the people that we're doing by going to our website, broadwaybullet.com, and clicking on the Volume 5 episode. There's links everywhere. And please come discuss the show and let us know what you're thinking. I also really want to encourage some feedback. The show is still pretty new and I'm definitely open for you guys letting me know exactly what you'd like to hear on the show and what's working for you and what's not. So you can email me at broadwaybullet at nextbighit.com and let me know your thoughts. So you can also post them on the forum at broadwaybullet.com. We're going to close out the episode with a song from the alternative acoustic act, Old Springs Pike. They're going to be performing at the Ars Nova Concert Series on Friday, September 29th at 8 p.m. And here's a song of theirs called The Great Escape. It was actually recorded live off the boards at Ars Nova at an earlier concert. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Let's
6: do it. All right, for real, These
15: are things I'm bound to miss Six feet down in the ground Waiting around to be found You seem a little like Pinocchio Except you don't got the nose to show Your devilish grin seems sin I don't think that I'll let you in No Six feet down I'm in the ground I'm bound to feel the same Six feet down I'm in the ground I'm bound to go insane Six feet down
2: I'm
0: bound to feel the same. Well, Broadway Bullet will be back again next Wednesday with some more great interviews from the shows Drift, Night of the Hunter, and Party Come Here. So you don't want to miss it. A lot more great music and a lot more great information. So until then, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and you've been listening to Broadway Bullet. And you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution.